disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said God in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And God said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he has seen a vision, in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But God said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, God, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. I want to continue my series tonight. Uh, Next Wednesday night we'll break into something else. But I'd like to wrap this up, this series up. Would God use me in talking to you tonight about Ananias' sensitivity to the Spirit. Sensitivity to the Spirit. Everybody say thank God for the Word. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him I'm glad you're here. And upon doing that, you may be seated. I believe tonight with all of my heart that God desires that men and women be sensitive to the moving of His Spirit. Your life in Jesus just just isn't about you being saved, but there's a reciprocal to that in which God, in saving you, should have the right and privilege of moving through you at his choosing, and when he does, you say yes. Everybody said amen. Prayer is vital to a person's relationship with God. It is both the gateway to a relationship with God and also the means by which the relationship is exercised, developed, and maintained. I want to say to you tonight that it's not possible to have a relationship with God without a prayer life. It's not possible. It's kind of like being married but never talking to your spouse. Some of you would probably welcome that. For at least five minutes. My goodness, I meant that as just a little humor and we'll continue. In addition, you must have a measure of faith. Not only a prayer life, but a measure of faith and sensitivity to God in order for you to connect and to contact God through prayer. You must also continue to pray and be in touch with God to maintain your spiritual sensitivity. Each is dependent upon the other 
and each contributes to the other. Prayer and sensitivity to God are inseparable partners in one's relationship with God. If you are praying consistently, but have lacked some development and being sensitive to God, then there's something missing in your prayer life. If you talk to God, then certainly you would stop long enough and try to be cognizant to the fact that God just might want to talk back to you. To all of our men here tonight, talking to God's not really like nothing like being married where the wife does all the talking and you just sit there and grunt once in a while. And I think a lot of men transfer that ideology into their relationship with God. Where God says, I would like for you to be a better man, a better husband, a better father. I'd like for you to start paying your tithes. I'd like for you to start being faithful to the house of God. And you just go, huh? Well, some of you wouldn't smile. It ain't going to happen tonight, is it? Won't you look at your neighbor and smile? It is good preaching. Ananias, a man hardly known in the New Testament, was a man whose, the knowledge we have of him has been totally based on his sensitivity to the voice of God. God is able to call on his people around the world to accomplish his work. I mentioned this Sunday, and I'll mention it again. If you choose to turn a deaf ear towards God, it's not going to hurt the kingdom. God will find someone else. But he would like to use you. He would really prefer to use you even though oftentimes we have the mindset and the attitude and even the disposition that says, I'm not worthy, I'm not plugged in, I'm not the preacher, I'm not this, I'm not that. God would still like to use you. Everybody say me. Look at your neighbor and say you. This includes everybody here tonight. I'm not just talking to one or two people. Contrary to what some people may think, God still speaks to people. Now, he's not going to speak to you to edit his word. He's not going to ask you to come out with the Phil Elwood version of the King James. Son-in-law up here said, thank goodness. So uh, I don't know what that means. Y'all can talk about it later. Boy, I might have just stirred up something. But according to Job 33 and other places in the Bible, God speaks to his people in various ways. He can speak to his people through dreams and visions. Some of you have had that experience. In Acts 13, there's an instance recorded of God speaking to his people. The Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said in Acts 13 verse 2, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. This is God speaking to his people. It is an apostolic book of Acts precedent. God is still in touch with his people and can talk to them at any time he chooses. The remarkable thing about Ananias in this story that we're going to go through tonight is that he was not startled by God's voice. 
When God spoke to him, he knew it was God. When God called him, he responded by saying, Behold, I am here, Lord. He didn't mistake it for the voice of his wife. Some of you men here tonight has been married a while. I don't know that you can discern the difference between the voice of God and the voice of your wife. You're so accustomed to being submitted and obeying. He was not frightened, nor was he startled in any way. Evidently, Ananias was accustomed to hearing the voice of God. I don't want to take a long time here tonight making disclaimers. God does not step outside of his word to talk to you. He's not going to tell you that he's changed his mind on a rapture or that you don't have to repent anymore. He's not going to do that. Everything he says is going to be in conjunction and in accordance and parallel with the word of God. I hope everybody understands that. But he was, Ananias was accustomed to hearing the voice of God. At least he was so sensitive to God that if he was not accustomed to hearing God's voice, he still wasn't surprised that God spoke to him. I would to God tonight that, that every person at Grace Church would take this posture. I'm not going to be surprised if God speaks to me because God wants to use you. He does. This lack of surprise underscores the relationship that Ananias had with God. He was obviously comfortable in the presence of God. It, 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 it did not surprise him. It seems almost that Ananias was expecting God to say something to him. You read the whole context of this story, and you'll see what I'm talking about. In Acts chapter 10, Peter saw a vision, a vessel descending from heaven that contained all manner of four-footed beasts. The Bible said that God spoke to Peter, said, rise, kill, and eat. Although the Bible doesn't identify the voice that spoke to Peter, Peter knew that it was God. So I believe we should be so accustomed. You know, Sister Murph don't walk in or walk up to me and say, Hi, this is Paula. I need to tell you something. Trust me. After 39 years, I know her voice. And I know when it's a happy voice. I know when it's a I'm happy with you voice. Let's continue. So Ananias knew the voice of God. God didn't have to make a bunch of disclaimers. He didn't have to speak to him in the King James Version. He didn't, and Peter recognized the voice of God. When God addressed Ananias, he did not hesitate to answer, but he said, I'm here. I'm on standby. I've been waiting by the phone, if you will. I've been waiting for your text message. What is it, God, that you want me to do? Ananias was plugged in. He was in tune with God's work on the earth. He knew what God was after. He knew what God wanted to do. And he knew what the will of God was. And it was about to be 
tested to its highest degree. Ananias was in tune with God's work and God's will, knowing that it was not God's will. And I don't know if all of us know this or not, because we can gauge it how we react to each other and towards people who we're not real happy with at the moment. But God, the Bible said, God said that he was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ananias knew that. And his belief and faith in that was about to be tested. It would be an incredible thing if God always called on us to do the things that we enjoy doing. That would be an amazing thing. Every person discovers that in life he must sometimes go to areas that may not interest him and take on assignments that he does not like and that may be even kind of dangerous, but such is life. All of you experience that, no doubt, from time to time on your job. You're given something to do, and you just simply don't want to do it. So it is with God. He sometimes will call on his people to do things that are not enjoyable. And this was the case when God spoke to Ananias and said, I want you to go visit Saul of Tarshish. Ananias was not hesitant to answer God and let him know that he was available, but he was hesitant to accept the assignment because of Saul's reputation of terror. And you know what? I don't blame him. I'm not going to sit here and condemn Saul. If God spoke to me and told me to go visit somebody like that to just watch some lions eat like 20 people like me that believe what I believe, <laughs> I'll go, but I'm bringing some bodyguards. Yes, sir, I'm bringing some backup, buddy. And they're going to be in front of me and on the side of me and behind me. Ananias was happy to recognize the voice of God, but he was not happy with the assignment. I want to speak to everybody in this building tonight. Whether it's soul winning, church attendance, giving, attitude, whatever it is. If we're not in alignment with God's word, I don't care how available we say we are to God. If we are resistant to the assignment, we don't understand the will of God for our life. Well, I need for God to speak to me in another way. He don't need to speak to you outside of his word. If the Bible says it, then that's what we need to do. Period. Does everybody believe that? Amen. So Ananias had allowed previous information about Saul to create a prejudice towards this assignment. I'm not going to go see him because. And you know what? I'm sure everybody in the church, probably including Simon Peter, would have agreed with him. I wouldn't go see him either. But God told me to do it. Well, maybe, I don't know, man. You might want to pray about that some more. Has anybody ever been in a situation like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? God gives you an assignment. You know it's God. He moves on you. He convicts you. He stirs you up. He makes you start thinking about things, and you don't even know where the thought came from. 
I hope you know what I'm talking about here tonight. I've had folks come and talk to me about stuff that resonated with my old crusty heart and said, yeah, that's what you need to do. And they walk out of my office saying, I don't know, man, I, I might pray about that. What do you think God's going to do? Because you're praying about it. I wonder sometimes how often God would have used us. But because, oftentimes because of our environment, the climate of the church, the climate of our culture, we develop prejudice against the very commandments of God. See, our society allows us to be prejudiced towards things and towards people. And we have a bias and we have a stereotype and we profile. And so when God asks us to step into that arena that we have a prejudice or a bias against, we don't want to do it, even though it's God himself asking us to do it. I understand that Ananias was not frightened by the voice of God, but he was terrified by the assignment. And everybody says, church people have a tendency to say, man, I wish God would talk to me. And he does. He will convict you. He will stir you. He will drop a thought in your head. He will show you something in the scripture that has an assignment attached to it. Can't do it, man. I've had folks tell me that I want to teach a Bible study, for example. And it's the will of God to do it. And God has opened the door for you to do it. Our folks have come, and this is how they get out of it. They ask me to do it. God, I met this, or Pastor, I met this person, and they are wide open to a Bible study. Would you mind teaching them? God didn't open the door to me. You know, I had a fellow one time years ago when I was a teenager come to me and said, the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice to go rebuke the devil out of somebody, and I want you to come help me. It's a true story. And at about 17 years old and real ignorant and immature, I was profound and wise in that moment when I said, the Lord didn't speak to me anything. But if he told you to do it, you go do it. A few minutes later, I heard the devil-possessed boy say, man, if you don't get out of my face, I'm going to knock the devil out of you. <laughs> so it happened later on in the week, by the way. Uh, it got pretty ugly before it was all over with. But when God speaks to you, that assignment don't apply to other people. Why don't you try that at work? Your boss comes in and gives you a directive and says, I want you to go take care of this. And you just go to the employee over there and say, you know what? This really needs to be taken care of. Why don't you go ahead and do it? Boss didn't ask them to do it. He asked you to do it. Y'all understand me? I'm not trying to be oversimple tonight. But I oftentimes wonder how many times we pray, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me. Then he speaks to you and wants to, and you're terrified by the task. Ananias could have said no. And I believe God would have found someone else. But look what Ananias would have missed out on. He obeyed God and ultimately converted the most powerful man in the New Testament. He wrote some two-thirds of the New Testament. Ananias converted that guy. He could have said no, but Ananias nonetheless was sensitive 
to the will and purpose of God. I want to, I, I, I wish we could understand tonight, and I'm going to try to portray this to you, that if God speaks to you to do something, you may be terrified, but don't think that God hadn't already been there and come back. He's already prepared the way. He's taking care of that thing on the whatever it is he's asking you to do, and now he's going to come ask you to take care of it. It's the same. The religious world of that day, they're like, yeah, right. You expect me to believe that. But Joseph acted on the assignment, knowing and somehow had been assured as well as Ananias had, that if I go and do this, God has prepared the way on the other end of it, and I don't have to worry about it. I wish we could rest in that confidence and in that peace. The Bible said that Ananias went. God gave him specific instructions on where to go. And as a matter of fact, went on to say that I've already told Saul that there's a man named Ananias is coming to see you. It's telling Ananias, don't be afraid of this man. I've often wondered why Saul was blinded. Why did God have to blind him on the road to Damascus that day? And could it be that had he not been blinded and virtually helpless, that God would have had a hard time getting anybody to go minister to him? Perhaps Paul was ultimately blinded that day, so it would make it pretty safe, so somebody could feel pretty confident and go witness to the man. Y'all do understand what his resume was up until this point. The Bible said that Ananias went based on sheer obedience. I'm not going to question. I'm not going to, I asked my questions and God answered my question. Now I don't have an excuse. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And by his obedience to God, Ananias was able to see Saul healed of his blindness. He baptized him in water in the name of Jesus and saw him filled up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to say to you and I tonight that God has the same desire for you and I to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. What I long to see is not necessarily brother so-and-so getting up and walking to the other side of the building and read sister so-and-so's mail over here. That's all good and it has its place. What I'm anxious to see and to hear testimony of is somebody walking through Walmart. I keep saying this. And one of these days, somebody's going to do As a matter of fact, somebody already has. Ministered to somebody uh, in a public setting. God spoke to them. God opened the door. And they did it. I want to see that continue here in Central. My goal, my vision is to read on the front page of the newspaper, Grace Church member prays for a paralyzed person in Walmart and they got up out of their wheelchair and walked. If it happened in the book of Acts, why can't it happen now? You know why it doesn't happen? happen is because we want to be sensitive to God, we hear His voice, and we get terrified over the assignment. Been there, done that. I know when God, I believe I know, at least most of the time, when God speaks to my heart, I'm not going to stand here and say I hear it every time. Maybe it has to happen two or three times before I get it. But I know when it's God, and I have learned if God speaks to me X, Y, Z, 
then X, Y, Z is going to happen if I do my part. And I don't know why we wrestle with that because the Bible is so full of this incredible promise of God that God will take you to places in Him and God will take you into places in the lives of other people that you would have never dreamed if we would be sensitive to God and then not be terrified by the assignment. Ananias was sensitive to God and he obeyed God. I believe tonight that Ananias was first and foremost a praying man. He talked to God often enough that he recognized the voice of God in return. God was not a stranger to him. God was not oblivious to him. He knew the voice of God. And I know I sound very repetitive here tonight, but I want to drive the point home on this last Bible study, Would God Use Me? I want everybody to understand here tonight, God will use you, but you have to be sensitive to His voice and not terrified by the assignment. I've had two experiences that I want to share with you. One was I was sitting in a restaurant and the uh, hostess slash manager at that restaurant knew that I was a pastor. We went there often. And she walked up to my table and she said, there's an elderly woman sitting over there. She's grieving. Her husband died about three weeks ago. Would you go over there and pray for her? I wanted to say, why don't you do it? But this lady had made it clear she don't go to church. She don't have time for church, but she is sensitive to the needs of people. So I said, I will do it. I got up from my chair, walked over and slid into the other side of the booth from this woman. And I said, this person just told me what's going on in your life. I pastor a church and uh, I would like to pray for you for a moment. Big tears started streaming down her face and she said, please pray for me. I could have said no. I don't know the lady, she don't know me, and all I'll do is scare her to death. And I could have said no, but I did it. On another occasion, there was no mediator. God spoke to me and said, go pray for that person over there. Sister Murphy can vouch for what I'm saying. There's been times where we've been in a restaurant and I see a family, and there's just something about them, and I can't describe the moment. But God will speak to me. It happened not too long ago on a Sunday after church. We were in a restaurant here in Central. Saw a wonderful family, husband, wife, two kids sitting at a table. I walked by them and gave them a card. They promised to come visit. I haven't seen them yet, but maybe one day they will. But I said, you have an awesome family here. And God just whispered in my ear to come encourage you to just remain a good family, stay married, stay strong, be good parents, and find you a good church home if you don't have one. The man looked up and said, wow, this is really awesome, man. Do you have a card? I'd like to come visit your church. It's hearing the voice of God and obeying what He's asking you to do and not being afraid. Be assured, folks, and let me say it again, be assured that if God speaks to you, He has already worked on the other end. You're not going in blind. As a matter of fact, I believe that person is probably waiting on you because God has worked on them. 
They may not know you by name. They may never seen you before. But I believe God moves in the heart of those people just like He did with the man I just referred to. I believe that man was waiting on me. There was something about him that he may not have known who and where it was coming from and all of that, but he knew something was going on and he was open to it when I got there. I didn't have to work it. I didn't have to massage it. He was ready when I walked up to his table. I would to God that this year at Grace Church, if God speaks to you in any capacity, that you obey the voice of God without hesitation and be confident and have faith in the fact that God has already moved on the other end and you can do what God is asking you to do without hesitation. Even if the person God is asking you to go visit is a mass murderer and hates people like you, It's important that we learn how to listen to and recognize the voice of God. It's startling to me that when Hannah dropped Samuel off at the temple in the Old Testament, that God had to speak to to Samuel. He spoke to him three times, but it took three times for Eli to finally figure out, you know what, the next time God, you hear that voice, just say, yes, yes, Lord, your servant hears. It took the man of God three times to catch on to the idea that that just might be God. In my mind and in my opinion, Eli had not heard from God in years and forgotten what the voice of God even sounded like. The Bible did say that the Word of God was not doing too good during that time. So it's important that you pray. It's important that you know the voice of God. It's also important to know the heartbeat of God. You may have a prejudice and a bias towards people, towards a race of people, towards an element of people, but God doesn't. God truly loves everybody. And the person who is your rival, who is your worst enemy, the person who has crushed you the most, who has betrayed you the most, who has ripped you off the most, who has slandered you the most, who has gossiped about you the most, and you refuse to ever speak to that person again in your life. God still loves that person. I don't know how it's developed. Maybe preachers do it in their style and method of preaching. I don't know. I hope I haven't done it. Maybe I have. If I do, I I repent. But I hope that I, as pastor, have never caused anyone to feel justified in hating on somebody that's right sister that's right brother they've treated you real bad and you should never speak to them again you're exactly i hope i've never done that that is pitiful counseling you have a right to to dislike and hate that person absolutely and if i was in your shoes i'd hate them too as a matter of fact being that you're my friend and they've done that. I'm going to hate them because they hurt you. So now you've got two people hating on somebody. I don't care what you say and how you slice it. You'll never show me in the Word of God where God quits loving people because we do. And oftentimes, it's, it's, it's to me an awesome exercise in true apostolic faith and true Bible-based, Bible-taught Christianity. It's almost, can I use the term poetic justice? that God would speak to you 
and say, go pray for that person that you haven't spoken to in years and you don't like them all that much. It's amazing to me that we can, as the praise team sang tonight, that we can flaunt and and wallow and, and whatever in the love of Jesus. Oh, how He loves me so! But I sure thank God He hates that person over there because they've been mean to me. We think that way whether we're that blatant with it or not. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, whosoever believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. We rejoice in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, but we overlook verse 39, for the promise is unto them who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. The people that we love or don't love. The people that we like or don't like. The people that we avoid or don't avoid. Be rest assured, God still loves that person. And sometimes God will speak to us to go to such a one and love them and assure them of the love of God. God, speak to us tonight and change our attitude, change our perspective, change our mindset. Let me take it a step further. I'm going to tell you who we're really justified and vindicated to hate on. And that's the ex-spouse. Man, I just heard somebody go, mm. I apologize if I've caused anybody any offense along that line. And I've told people that have gone through very difficult marital situations and even a divorce, don't forget God still loves your spouse or your ex. Yes, He does. And don't be mad at God if you ever hear that your ex has repented and is serving God now. Don't be mad at God for loving them. It's knowing the heartbeat of God. Consistent, steady, fervent prayer keeps us on line with the heartbeat of God. Yes, it does. The Bible teaches that we should have the mind of Christ. We have to know His heartbeat. And whether we're resistant to it or not, salvation and saving people is still God's foremost priority. If I can put it in very humanistic terminology and and kind of my funny way of saying things sometimes, actually a lot of times. But I've often wondered, and I have a tendency to believe, that God would save somebody before He'll answer your trivial prayer. If the two come to God at the same time, If a sinner is repenting and your prayer comes to God at the same time, which one do you think is going to get the priority? And if we ever develop the spirit of the elder brother in relationship to the prodigal son, shame on us. Salvation is still, and I believe God can answer everybody's prayer at the same time, but I'm using that as an illustration, that God's priority is still saving people 
from hell. That's his top priority. More than tie-tying us and, and all of the little stuff that we deal with from time to time. His priority is saving me and saving you. And everybody is on equal ground at the foot of the cross. And finally, tonight in conclusion, I've heard people say it all of my life. I've said it, and I've been put to the test in so many different ways, and so have you. But I've heard people say, I trust God. He has my life in His hands. I trust Him with my family, with my money, and everything. And we trust Him with our money until He speaks to us and asks us to give it to Him. Hallelujah. We were somewhere the other night with uh, Brian and Nancy. And Ella, she's got to be part monkey. The little girl climbs on everything. If it's climbable, Ella can climb it, I can promise you. I say that in very humorous jest. But we were walking away. And she climbed up on a little pedestal thing about that tall. And he just so happened to walk by. And she said, catch me, Daddy. And before he had time to answer, before he had time to even really turn around, she was airborne. And I looked at Brother Brian, and he'll, 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 he'll verify. Buddy, that ain't nothing but sheer, raw faith and trust right there. All I have to do is say, catch me, Daddy, and I'm airborne. I don't wait for a response. I don't wait to be disciplined. I don't wait to let God think about it, you know, whatever. Oh, God, if we could get to that place. And we've heard that illustration a thousand times, but it hit me in the head the other night like a board. Catch me, Daddy. And poor Brother Brian, I mean, he had to, you know, Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if she just threw herself on him and wrapped an arm around his neck and then he put an arm around her and had her. I don't remember how it all came down, but he didn't, she didn't give him a long time to respond. Catch me, Daddy! What would it be like if we trusted God enough to take him at face value and obey what he's asked us to do? Trust him. That he will not take you to a place that he has not already been. What a servant Ananias was. I could take this theme and, and run it on for a little while that, you know, Ananias was so sensitive and so open yeah, you know, to do whatever God wanted him to do. Why even bother with Paul? I mean, why go after the axe murderer? You got a good man right here. God wants you. <laughs> you know, why do we have to have all these funky people coming to our church? We got some good folks here. If you want to, you know, soul winner, here I am, you know, and you got all these messed up people, and, you know, why do we need them? We have that mentality. I don't want these scruffy, ill repute people in our church, and besides that, they stink, and I don't want them sitting around. Look, this is Pentecostal prejudice that's running our veins for years. But I really believe, Brother Ben, we need to start warming up to that idea that God may use you 
to win the axe murderer so the axe murderer can win the rest of the world. Are you open to that? Of Paul coming to your church and walking in one Sunday and saying, Hey, Brother Billy. And everybody's like, Billy, you know him? You went and talked to him? Are you an idiot? I don't care if you are, Sheriff's Deputy. He's an axe murderer, man. He kills people for fun. I hope I'm getting the point across tonight. God help us to be open to God anytime, anywhere, with anybody, anytime, anywhere. I want us to start moving up the ladder, start climbing upward, and say, God, I'm here, I'm available, I don't care when, where, who, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, and who knows who you'll win. I'm, I'm trying to finish here tonight. Y'all owe me 15 minutes from the other couple of Wednesday nights ago. Yes, you do. Um, I've seen it happen over and over and over where God will use some old crusty saint to win this dude. <laughs> and they have no idea who they're winning because that guy's going to win about 40 people before it's over with. I long for that. Long for that here at Grace Church. I want to be open to God. I don't care who it is that God speaks to me about. I'm going to obey God. I've determined I'm going to do that with all of my might, and I hope you do the same. Stand with me tonight, and let's pray. God, I ask you tonight for divine favor. We know that you love us. I pray, God, tonight that you will understand that you also love them. You love the Saul's. You love the Simons. You love people that have strong religious background. You love people that don't have any. You love sinners. You love people that don't know you, don't have a clue who you are. You love people in all manner and all degree of sin and degradation. I pray, God, tonight that we could. I really pray tonight that as Grace Church members, we could. That when we say we love everybody, that we really mean it. That it is truly everybody. Pray that we could manifest it, that we could live it. And God help us tonight. Try us tonight. Try our faith. Try our level of trust and obedience. Speak to us tonight. Speak to somebody in this church between now and Sunday. Lay somebody's name on their heart and their mind to call that person, to reach out to that person. Not necessarily on Facebook or some bizarre social media outlet, but to call them on the phone to drop by their house and say, God asked me to come by to see you. To tell you that he still loves you. That he still cares about you. That you're still within his reach. God, talk to us tonight. As we begin this new year, we've got a job to do. And I pray, God, that we can do it fervently, willingly, and passionately. Speak to Grace Church tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. Well, sometimes we don't always love everybody on the outside, but can we love everybody on the inside tonight?